Welcome to episode two. This is Matt Gregory with Sable Adjusters. And this is Megan Calabrese with Fox Rock Properties. Megan, I got to be honest with you. We, we got a legend, a myth, you know, yes. up next. I mean, not just from a professional standpoint of what he does over at Outdoor Pride, but I cannot wait to belly up to Butsy's Tavern and find out exactly how this thing came to life. I've heard, you know, those tall tales and no pun on him being six foot seven, but I, I heard this, you know, photos, you know, you hear about the dollar bills that hang over the, you know, the rafters of bars and people sign it. Maybe sometimes at, you know, Senor Frogs, people will leave stuff behind there. But I, I hear he takes pictures of people that pull the taps at Butsies. I hear about this guy, Bob. I, I, I got to know about Bob. I don't know about you, but I am absolutely on the edge of my seat and I really want to get in line and hopefully there's no cover charge um, at Butsy's Tavern. Billy's a consummate gentleman and he likes to have a lot of fun. So it's going to be a great episode. All right. Well, let's dive into it right now. All right. Episode two of Keeping It Real. Um, I'm Maddie Gregory with Sable Adjusters. And I'm Megan Calabrese with Fox Rock Properties. And we're back. Good morning, Megan. Week two. Good morning, Matthew. How are you? I'm doing well. All right. So since we last spoke, and by the way, this is the world we live in. We're not in the studio on this episode because of no. potential corona with Lyme. <laughs> and we're, we're doing this virtually. We got an unbelievable guest by the name of Billy Butts. You know, I, I think there's certain people in the world that can get away with being introduced first and last name and it flows. Um, I think Billy Butts is one of them. Mm -hmm. I don't think Maddie Gregory is because mm -hmm. my last name gets tortured the way it's spelt. And, you know, I'm guilty by default with pronouncing the E in the last of your name and it's Megan Calabrese. The E is very silent. So would you Unless agree? You want a table in the North End. <laughs> yes. Calabrese. <laughs> So, so look, so let's do, so since we last talked, uh, since, uh, on episode one, mother nature dropped snow on us. Yep. Mother nature today is saying, I'm going to get you guys back up to 70. Right. I think it's fitting that we got Billy Butts, you know, commercial landscape, snow management guru mm -hmm. on the yep. podcast. Um, let's talk about Halloween COVID rules. Some people hung their candy on a clothesline. Yeah. You see the some, shoots? Some people did the Willy Wonka shoots. Yeah. If I'm a mini candy bar, I'm bullshit because I think the, the large candy bars took over this year. They did, for sure. Um, did the kids dress up? They did. <clears throat> Teddy was uh, Spider-Man, Superman. Okay. Yeah. And Izzy was a miraculous ladybug, which is a... Unless you have YouTube or Netflix, you wouldn't even know what that is. But hey, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so let me ask you a question. So, do you go around the neighborhood and Mike passes out candy, or do you pass out candy and Mike walks the neighborhood? You know, it's funny. It, it was cute. He thought he was going to sit there by the fire with his beard. He's like, "Guys, I'll just hang back, <laughs> and you can walk around." I was like. Get up, let's go. He said, well, who's going to watch the candy? I'm like, we'll be back in five minutes. We do a one loop and, and we'll be back. So we both kind of went. The dads and moms walked together um, with a, don't ask me what's in my Yeti cup. Um, 
and we had fun. So the kids still, I think, had a blast. I will say a lot of the families did great. They did tables out on the end of the driveway. Some people had their own fires, some music going. So I think people made the best of it, in my in my opinion, at least, you know, in our neighborhood. And I don't think the kids knew any different. So. Right. And so so piggybacking off that. So cul-de-sac living, suburban living, you know, the the it, it went you went from a Red Raider, um, you know, wagon to the collapsible wagon. And in those wagons is usually children under the age of four that have been jacked up since 5 a.m. with their Halloween costume on. And then that's their Uber for the evening. Or it's where you put the soft pack Yeti. And I think Halloween and cul-de-sac living in those private streets, I think it's become more of an adult day, adult night, especially if it lands on a Friday and Saturday. Yep. Because open container laws are being broken. Yeah, Everyone knows what's going <clears throat> And I just think that, you know, the parents enjoy it more now uh, than the kids. Now, before you say anything, now, do you dress up when you're walking the neighborhood? Or are you one of those people that, like, puts a witch's hat on and thinks that, okay, I'm in costume? Just me. No, I don't dress up at all. But I will also say Halloween should always be on a Saturday and daylight saving should be abolished. Change my mind. Absolutely. I thought Sunday stayed at 2.15 all day. All day. <laughs> all day it was quarter past two. Right. Um, fact check, Dave. I'm I'm going to go on a limb right now. I'm going to ask Megan a question. Yep. The most popular candy bar on Halloween or candy in general. I'm going to say it's uh, peanut M and M's. Really? Yeah. There are so many nut allergy people that are hating you right now. We just lost all our nut allergy viewers. I'm sorry. Matt didn't mean that. We will get you back. <laughs> what do you think the most popular candy that is thrown into a, a plastic bin or the guy that invented this, the pillowcase to be their candy bag? Uh, what do you think? Peanut over? butter cups. I disagree. Dave? Mm-hmm. I'm, go- I'm going traditional chocolate Hershey's. Oof. <laughs> I, I, I one thousand. Kindly leave, Dave. Oh, I, oh. I, you know, you tried bringing them into the podcast, and then he says Hershey's. That's it. All right. Well, All right. let's Dave, not leave Billy waiting too long. Yeah, Dave. Dave, fire up the Google machine, and you know, and, and, and get us that fact check. But you know, like Megan said, you know, we, we got an unbelievable guest on today. You know, um, Vice President of Business Development. Um, Billy Butts, you know, Billy Butts has enjoyed a 30-year career in commercial landscape snow management business, especially in the metro Boston area. Um, you know, he's a graduate of UMass Dartmouth, which I'm going to ask him, you know, I'm not going to ask him his age like we don't ask women their age. But I want to know if that was SMU back in the day or if it was still or if it was the turning point when they started calling it UMass Dartmouth. Um, you know, Billy's married uh, with a wife, Diane. He's got two daughters, Nicole, 24, and Lauren, 22. So he doesn't even have to deal with the virtual learning or the cohort A's and B's and all that. So I just want to welcome right now Billy Butts to the podcast. Billy, how are you, pal? Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Looking forward to it. Hey, Billy. So good to see you. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks. This is uh, this is a lot of fun. This has been a, um, as he kicked off the show there, you know, 2020 has been a year of uh, uh, get used to it or else. Right. Uh, trying to figure out how to get through the day. You know, I just had a commute from my previous Zoom meeting, which took about five minutes, which involves going upstairs and going to the bathroom. Which, you know, if you're in the hall. Zoom meetings, these Zoom meetings, 
when they go back to back to back, you know, and my eyes start turning yellow, you know, I'm like, I got to have a pee break here, you know? <clears throat> it's the, yeah, I think we've, well, people have finally realized that they're on camera. People at home have finally realized, you know, yeah. we had one, I'll leave names out of it early on, wife walking by with a towel. It's like, yeah. I'm, on, I'm on camera. And she's like, why yeah. are you sitting in the family room? <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's been crazy. It's been crazy. Yeah. Right now, we just painted our office over and we don't have a lick of furniture in here. You'd think I was in a six by nine cell because I'm sitting on one chair with a little bit of a coffee table uh, trying to do this. So, you know, I feel your pain. So Billy, so, you know, vice president of business development, outdoor pride landscape, snow management, like you said, 2020s bananas. I put up my Christmas lights on Sunday. Mm -hmm. I'm ready to get right to the Christmas tree. Put it down. Get the hell out of here. I think 2021 is probably not even going to be any different until we can do the vaccines because I'm sure you know it used to be, okay, I got my wallets. I got my key. I got my coffee. Now you're adding in that I got my mask and all this stuff. You know, yeah. from a VP standpoint of business development, and, and look, I will tell you this. We, we've both been in Iram, you know, with the BOMAs and all these other marketing events. You know, you work a room better than I've ever seen, like a figure skater doing a triple sow cow. Um, you know, what's going on, man? Like how you staying focused, how you staying motivating, how you getting creative, you know, from that, you know, marketing and sales and all that stuff, man. I tell you, um, it is, it is a challenge. I mean, I, I built a career, you know, um, in selling landscape and snow services, by just getting to know people and creating a network of, you know, trusted friends. And, you know, they, they feel like family in a way. Um, you can ask them more about their kids and you can ask them whether or not they need landscape or snow services. And that's the way I've always been. So not seeing those people, I feel like I'm missing a piece of my family, you know. Um, so it's been it's been challenging for sure. Um, I would tell you the one thing that I took, you know, real seriously and, and, and I know a lot of people did this during the early stages of the lockdown is, is fitness, you know, physically fit, mentally fit. Um, I was, you know, 10 or 15 pounds overweight, always, you know, grabbing the Duncan's muffin and, you know, doing whatever it took to get through the day as I'm on the road traveling from meeting to meeting. But when you're home, it really didn't have a need to go out right. to dunk. No, could you? So just cut out all the junk and just started, you know, getting fit, doing the walks with the family around the block and, I feel so much better, both physically and mentally. And um, that's been a big, big help for me. You know, just getting up earlier in the morning, you know, not dragging my my backside out saying, you know, I'm sore, I'm this, I'm that. So that's been working really well. And then just trying to communicate with people at any level possible, whether it's a call. I took a while there during the lockdown and I stopped emailing and texting people. I just started calling my friends and family and saying, hey, just a, just a, you know, just a check in. Let's just, let's just chat. Nothing, nothing too serious. And that helped me a lot too. So I think it's just keeping, keeping uh, things real as much as possible. And then just being safe out there. I mean, sales is all about, you know, like you said, the touches, right? We call it a touch, you know, physical touch almost. Without that, um, I think it's going to impact the next generation of salespeople. Um, they're, they're not learning how to physically right. engage you know, mentally and uh, position themselves as a trusted advisor. They're just another face on a screen or an email inbox message that doesn't resonate with a lot of decision makers. So 
I've been lucky. I've been fortunate kind of at this point in my career. I have a lot of, a lot of really great network um, partners, business partners that I can reach out to. But the next generation, man, it's going to be different. Yeah, that's and that's not by accident, Billy. It's because of you've you've worked hard at that. And I'm not surprised you picked up the phone. I think that's you know that's a testament to how you've grown your business. But I agree. I think it's going to be tough for young sales folks or anyone to coming into you know not just this year, but next year. They're learning this stuff in college. This whole digital you know technology age of of how to do things. I've gotten more like robo emails from vendors that are just. Yeah inserting new first name and then, you know, and firing it out to thousands of people. I don't even respond. Like a few of them, if I have a minute, I will respond. I said, please stop doing like, this is not the way to grow business. You know, you have to, you got to a like people that you want to, you know, you work with people that you like, but but you have to add some value and don't just, you know, sit at your computer and send a thousand emails and hope one sticks. I know that cold calling and that stuff, there's some value to it, but um, no, you're the absolute opposite of that. I think, I've known you for gosh, 15 years now or so. Um, I, I've never felt like you sold me anything. And, oh, you know. and, it, and we're really, we're really, I always say that I'm in the customer service business, um, not the landscape and snow business, because really those are just a subset of being great at customer service. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, if you're lousy at customer service. You're not going to be good at snow plowing. You're not going to be good at painting. You're not going to be good at property management. Right. And you always better. And both of you guys know as, as anything goes in, in our industry, you know, be true to your word. Call somebody back. Never make a customer ask for the same thing twice. If you say you're going to have something to them by two o'clock, close a business, whatever, get it there. If you can't, call them up and tell them or email sure. them or text them. There's no reason not to be. I mean, you don't have to call someone's beeper now, right? Remember the days when people carried beepers on their belt? You know, just page me and I'll get back to you. And you pull over like a madman to a payphone. Full of quarters that you didn't have. Well, you know, going back a few more years, you know, you almost could throw a dime in back in the day when I was, you know, you mentioned SMU. It was SMU when I was there. It's going back a ways. See, told you, Megan, SMU. SMU, yeah. Southeast University. I played basketball there. I played basketball there, and, and it was an interesting time because Southern Methodist University was on probation. They got the biggest NCAA fine ever, being ousted from the uh, tournament play. So we always caught a little flack being the uh, the other SMU that wasn't on probation. <laughs> so, uh, so, so just real quick. So, so you know, you know, obviously, I agree with everything that you said one hundred percent. I think you got to embrace technology, but you got to be old school when it comes to sales picking up the phone, shaking hands, getting in there, seeing the whites of the eyes. But, you know, take two steps back and and walk us through how you got started in the landscaping and snow removal. Because, you know, people go to school, you know, you know, business finance, accounting, engineering and all that. I mean, you had a 30 year career in that landscape snow removal industry. Just was just curious on a what drew you there and, you know, how, how you've made an unbelievable track record on it. So I grew up. I grew up not too far from a golf course. Go figure. That's why I love golf so much. So I, I got on my bike honestly because I just I didn't have a. My neighborhood wasn't that core neighborhood that you talked about. There wasn't a cul-de-sac. There was a bunch of houses in a in a block, but randomly there were kids my age. So I didn't have this. I had two or three groups of friends, but it was you know if they were busy doing something, it was nothing for me to do. So I got on my bike and rode through the woods. I don't know. Maybe it was a half a mile. Maybe a mile. Probably nowadays you wouldn't let your kids go there, but we did it. And, we, and I made my way down to the golf course, and I used to sit there and and watch and 
and I'd scout balls and I I have a bag of balls and I'd sell them to the guy for a buck, you know, bag of found balls. And, you know, I just, I just kind of hung around and the superintendent there one day said, what are you up to? I said, I'm just kind of hanging around. He goes, "Ah, come on over and give me a hand. And he showed me how to rake the sand trap after the golfers went through. He goes, if you're going to be looking for balls, every time the golfers play this hole, be careful, but go out and rake the sand smooth, you know? And I'm like, all right. So he never paid me. I did it. And then, you know, about, you know, maybe six or seven months later, he jumped me in the cart and he said, come on up to the shop. I want to show you something. Take this spray and you spray the seats and you scrub the cart seats so they're nice and clean for the golfers. I'll give you a bucket cart. I'm like, no kidding. That's pretty good. You know, I was 14 years old making 10 bucks. Yeah. It was, you know, that's, this is going back into the seventies. And, you know, that just gave me the, the feeling and the passion to be around the green industry. Just, I, I hung around, I ended up working there on the grounds crew all through college. And then when I was in college, I had a passion to be around landscape or the green industry, what it's called. And I talked to my professors. I was studying human resource management at the time. And I said, listen, I'm not going to go into this. I'm not going to sit in an office. He says, all right, what are you going to do? I said, I'd like to own my own business. He said, all right, let's gear your, let's gear your course load for the next year towards owning your own business. So he pushed me into more management courses and kind of all my electives were not like, you know, philosophy or psychology. They were management electives, which kind of crushed me because I was like, geez, I was looking forward to that easy A, you know, (laughs) this, you know, high level management. Yeah. So that, that kind of, he pushed me in that direction. I Rocks for jocks. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. So he pushed me into it. I I appreciate it. And I, I still, to this day, really feel like he got me started, you know, is where I was supposed to be going. So, yeah, I just worked my way through my own business. I worked for a couple of other firms, uh, Waverly Landscape Associates. I became their GM uh, for them and um, just found my way into the, um, to managing people. I really like being around people, you know, whether it's selling work or coaching and, and helping people grow in their, in their positions. That's been my passion. So, um, yeah, it's, it's kept me busy. It's kept me, uh, it's, 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 I've been able to earn a living at it. And, uh, I really don't even feel like it's work. Like I love doing it. I could talk about landscaping anywhere, anytime. My wife makes a joke. We'll go into this party. You're not going to talk about landscaping. I don't want to hear about the guy's lawn or the shrubs or the this and that. I said, it's not me. They come up to me and say, hey, I got shrubs. I got this. I got that. So I got this sign I hang around my neck, landscape questions from 8 to 8.15. So it's all good. But I, I love it. I love it. I, 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 wouldn't, you know, I love to I'm, – I'm trying to help the younger generation now, trying to get some activity with the local tech schools. So it's just – it's a blast. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. Can you tell us a little bit about Outdoor Pride and the group you're working for now? <clears throat> sure, yeah. So Outdoor Pride is a uh, family-owned business uh, based in Manchester, New Hampshire, a uh, 30-year brand. Um, uh, Mike and Dale Aquilino started the business um, out of their, literally out of their house, their garage. Mike was in banking. Dale was in um, customer service. And Mike just felt at some point his banking Korea was not going to be fulfilling enough. He wanted to be outside. He wanted to be with people. So he started this business. He kind of had in mind that he might have wanted to generationally hand it down to us. He had two young boys at the time. And, uh, you know, it was just a, it was just an idea and they ran it and they ran it well for, you know, 20 plus years. And then um, recently Mark took the business over. Um, uh, he's 32 years old, president of a $13 million business. It's an amazing transition. His dad put him through a, you know, the ringer, if you will, to get to where he is. 
you know, you run this position, you run this position, you become the vice president of sales, you become the operations manager. And he tested them all the way through. And it was a great strategy because Mox an incredible owner. Sure. So their, their business is really focused. Our business is really focused on the commercial client, uh, be it a corporate campus, commercial office building, suburban stuff. Uh, we're not a residential design build, swimming pool installer. Uh, we don't do retail. We don't do really don't do condominiums and apartment complexes only because the way we've built our equipment packages, they're more bigger, larger production type equipment, and they get less productive when we get into smaller campus, uh, smaller community type plowing and landscaping. So we will do it if it's a, an association that's attached to a, a bigger campus like these live, work, play uh, locations are starting to become really popular. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it's just been, uh, we're full service. So landscaping, snow removal, tree work, irrigation, lawn care, uh, any sort of project work, patios, walls, that's all part of our offering. That's great. Um, so for all of our four listeners out there, um, mm. hi, Mom. Yeah. Hi, Mom. <laughs> real, real estate, you know, we're hoping folks from the real estate industry chat about this. And, and you and I have been through some RFPs, and you've taught me a lot from that side. Um, we've got, a, you know, owners have a template that we've probably – passed from colleague to colleague from 10 years ago that we don't even know, you know, it's, it's not super informed by folks on your side. Uh, one mm-hmm. of the things I've been toying with when, you know, Matt and I were even talking about starting a podcast is kind of, you know, there's always the sales portion of it, but kind of coming together more and learning from vendors and like giving the ownerships perspective, um, you know, of that, because I, I find it's easy. I'll say, all right, put out the RFP. It's zero to one inch snow. Tell me, tell me your, your per inch price. Tell me your lump sum price. Same thing with landscaping. We've got all these lines. Give us your take on, you know, the RFP process and how outdoor pride kind of like looks at, you know, taking on new customers. You know, once, I think once you guys get them, you probably keep them long-term, but um, that kind of initial discussion when you get an RFP, what's, how do you guys kind of round table it? Yeah, that's a great question, Megan. We have had, um, many, many situations where the customers shared with us their their specs, if you will. Yeah. And as soon as you read them, you're like, well, you know, the property's in Waltham, but it says Tewksbury, right? So it's obviously cut and paste from somebody, right? From some office to one building, right. brought it with them, wherever they went. That's so how Matt got through college. Yeah, well, that's it. Well, the blue book, what I did, Bill, not to interrupt, but when it was yeah. tech- Day, you always had the crisp one that the professors took out, and then yes. you already had the one that was filled out, and you made sure that you didn't put it under your pillow the night before. Yes, thank you, Megan, for bringing that up. Proven, proven success. My kids say, yeah, I don't know how you got through college without Google. You know, hey. Hey. <laughs> no, I think it's the RFP request for proposal. I think. I think most of these companies should start the process three to four months earlier. And I think they should send out an RFI, a request for information. And I think that would be more beneficial to everybody. So learn about the company sure. and learn about what the, the property needs. So it's an information sharing practice between both. <laughs> you know, you obviously know a lot about the property because you manage it. Um, we don't know anything about it because we're being introduced to it, you know, for the first time. We might get a drive through. We might walk through for half an hour. You need to spend, yeah. you know, every acre of property, you need to spend at least two hours of site surveying time. This is the way I look at it, you know. 
So a 10 acre property, you need 20 hours of on the ground, walking, investigating, asking questions. So the RFI to me would be the trigger to say, okay, maybe it's a qualification. Maybe you send an RFI and people get to know you and you get to know them. You're like, yeah, I kind of like the company, but I don't think I can really work with these guys. It's it's not, it's, you know, so there's a, there's a process that I think is missing a step. So once that, when that gets to be a, you know, a validation that you feel like, okay, I get this property. I understand it. I think the pricing would be better. Mm -hmm. The value would be better for the customer. I think the relationship would start off stronger. Uh, I think everything's done so much in a vacuum right now. And it's done like in a shotgun method, you know, it's like, take a rifle, right? Right. And our RFP feels like a shotgun (laughs) out there and see who gets hit. Right. When an RFI is strategic and you're sending out to companies that you've done a little research on and you get a chance, I mean, it doesn't take long to read a, you know, one page, right. two page RFI, you know, information piece. So I would like to see more of that, to be I honest. Like that. With you. Yeah. that would really help the business. I, I agree. Cause even, you know, snow is snow, right? We go up and down, um, <clears throat> but landscaping in particular, Ours have line items, 28-week mow cycle. This is the mulch. This is that. And then there's all these alternates because nobody knows, you know what I mean? Do you want aeration? Do you want slice seeding? And I try to, we we talk to the managers. I'm like, you got to walk the property and don't forget about those mature trees that, oh, by the way, because Mother Nature's pissed at us. Trees have been popping like crazy lately and nobody thinks, oh, you can do up branching, but maybe we should start tagging trees that need to be, you know, taken out. Yes, we'll plant another one. Don't worry. Um, but you know, in, in all seriousness, I think there's more, I agree there, there'd be more value versus get three, get three bids, throw it out to three vendors. You're not going to, you know, learn as much. And from our standpoint, we Fox Rock, we're on owner operator, but we're also long-term holds. Right. So right now we're doing capital budgets and I'm looking five years right. out, you know, because Hey, maybe we're not thinking about X, Y, and Z this year, but it's, if we're going to have this in five years, we're going to have to spend a hundred grand on this. And, and you know, Curb appeal is very important. Leasing, you know, and we look at that stuff. All right, do we have leasing coming up? What do we want to do for curb appeal? So I I agree. And I'd like to see more of that in our industries. And, and however we can work on that, I think it would be a value from both sides. Like, put your cards down. Nobody, you know what I mean? Like, right. I get there's a process. But if we're all directly communicating, you won this one, you don't win this one. There's still a relationship to be had there, you know. I think the best thing that could come out of, you know, that the RFP process is there's a more realistic calendar an expectation yeah. of delivery of the package because people send it out, you know, they give it to people three weeks to look at it. Well, if you're a business that's being courted by other people, you don't just have two RFPs on your desk. You have a right. dozen. Right. And it's all asking for the same delivery date. You know, they got to yeah. get it back by September. <clears throat> yeah. the value that says, well, you know, I really like Megan. I'd like to work with her and I think we could do business together, but there's five others that, what do I do? Do I shortchange one? So I think giving a long lead time and, 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 and pricing would be really beneficial. The other thing too, the landscape is a living, you know, living, breathing uh, unit. And and if the RFP is not traveling with that same growing and maturing landscape, you know, prune all trees under 12 feet. Well, that was when they were planted. Now they're all, feet tall and no one mentions the 20 foot tall trees so you make a great point i think um having a trusted vendor vendor partner in this is all about taking your rfp and walking around on a nice july day who doesn't want to get out of the office let's take your rfp and let's go walk it let's talk every line item through 
I know my grass is still growing right now. And by the way, 28 weeks was two weeks ago. Right. <laughs> the New England mowing schedule is now 30 weeks. Right. Nobody Great. wants to admit it, but it happens. Exactly. If you get 30 weeks, that means you incur two more weeks of billable mowing. But mm -hmm. the landscape needs it. The weather has shifted. Yeah. So I think you're you're right on there, Megan. I think changing and revising RFPs, both for landscaping and snow. Snow is sure. another thing, you know. Buildings change. Um, construction happens. We found a campus that we do. They put a new building up. Okay, well, that's great. We're going to add a new building. But that new building changed the sun angle of one of our back parking lots. That back parking lot no longer gets sun. And it was an icy mess this last mm. storm. Who would have thought that? Right? right? The new building looked like great new business. This back parking lot that was kind of a throw-in, we used to plow it and the sun would melt it down. Now it's a complete you know, ice event every storm. So we gotta we gotta mark that on our operations plan. So I think it's just really important to just keep reviewing them. Yeah. Um Matt. Yeah, thanks, Megan. I didn't know if you were gonna pass the microphone over. Not always. You never know what's gonna come out of that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, you know, you were two minutes late for the podcast. But anyways, so you know, piggybacking off the small removal, and, and I gotta be honest with you, Billy, I didn't realize a lot of that stuff goes into it. I absolutely agree with you about the, you know, the RFI rather than the RFP and all that, 100%. And it's just like you're throwing a number on the RFP and, and your fingers are crossed and you hope that you get picked this round and all that. But I definitely agree with that. But getting on the snow removal, I mean, obviously that's huge for you guys because, you know, landscaping is seasonal and then you can keep your guys rolling right into snow. And then after snow, you can get right back into the landscaping part. But what is, what is the most important part, you know, during snow season from the snow removal from the vendor's perspective? You know, we've we've made a name and, and a brand. Our brand is very well positioned right now in the market. And I think the one thing that we do really well is communicate. I think we over communicate to the point where the customer is like, ah, we get it. We know you're coming. All right. You don't have to send us four emails to tell us you're coming. We're like, well, you know what? In the age of communication and technology, you know, who knows where you're at? You might be on the road. You might be with your kids. You know, you get a quick text or an email that says, hey, we got you all set. So we've positioned ourselves to really over communicate to the point where the customer has the confidence and trust that we have a plan. So, you know, build a plan and work the plan and communicate the plan. That's really what we're all about. So we spend a lot of time doing pre-site assessments. We walk the property with the management team. We talk about the the way the property lives and breathes. What time does the trucks come in? What time do the, do the CEOs come in? Where do the CEOs park? Where do the, these multi-tenanted buildings, Megan, you know, they have four different egresses and all of those egresses are those people's front doors. So gone are the day of the commercial building has one front door and you walk in and they splinter off into elevators and go up to there. They all want their own facade, their own marketing, you know, lobby. So now we have a property that has, you know, four front entrances that all have to be done by a certain time. So it changes the scope of work in the way that you need more manpower. You can't have a two-person shoveling team just sweep the building. You need almost a guy at each door. So that's what I'm talking about when you talk about an RFP and, and how you approach it. So we approach it very strategically, uh, very succinctly about what we want to do and how we want to do it. And we communicate that to the customer. And if they don't agree, that could be the that could be the end of the process. The RFI might end right there. We might talk about how we want to do business, and they're like, no, no, 
we just want to have someone sweep through here once every couple hours and throw some salt down and we're good. And we're like, you know what? That's, you know, we call it BSO, better serve, B-S-B-O, better serve by others. You know, there's another company that <laughs> yeah. would love to do that. Kind of like the nerds in um, the internet world when they, they use the word picnic, person yeah. in chair, not in computer. Yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah, so I mean, that's, that's the way Alco Pride approaches it. You know, we take, you know, a property and we really, you know, deep dive it, if you will, and we create, you know, site maps and um, operations plans that are all digital. Now our, our operators have it on their phone so they can scroll into a phone and say, into a picture and say, do not pile snow here. So you don't get the call the next day and says, why is there a pile of snow in the wetlands? You know, why do we have a pile of snow in front of this door where I have to get in once or twice a month? You know, so that's been our, you know, our, I guess our brand and our ticket to success. I mean, we have, um, you know, we have 90, 96% retention this year. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's incredible, you know? So, so just one final question on the, the professional side, and then, you know, we'll shift more towards, the stuff that I really want to get into, Butsy's Tavern. I've heard rumors <laughs> about games and all that. Um, but COVID overall, COVID has paralyzed mm-hmm. the restaurant industry. Mm-hmm. It's paralyzed so many different sectors. Mm-hmm. Has COVID paralyzed the lands? I don't want to say paralyzed. You know, has it put a kink in the lands? said it four times. What's mm-hmm. that? You've already, you've, you've already said it four times, but continue. Okay, well, we'll ask Dave if it was actually four times. I think Dave, I think, you know, uh, fact check fact Dave taking right now. He's been very quiet. Uh, the, the Google machine must have ran out of gas. But anyways, so has it hurt the landscape of the industry? Has it, has it dinged up outdoor pride a little bit? Or have you been COVID proof? Because your exterior, you're doing all that stuff. You're, you're mother nature driven. Um, and so forth. So I'm curious just to wrap that up um, so we can get into the fun stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I mean, that was, uh, we, we built our budget uh, coming out, you know, coming into the spring, you know, we kind of finalized it in February. And then, you know, as we start to, you know, hear rumblings, we got a little anxious about, you know, creating a budget that was built on a lot of extra work, you know, we call it enhancement work. And we felt like the customer would say, well, you know what, no one's going to be in our buildings. We didn't know that, obviously, but we thought that there would be some restriction on, you know, excess spending over their base budget. So we strategically rolled our budget back. Well, that wasn't the case um, because we had such great customers and such great relationships. Customers came to us and said, listen, while my building's empty, can you do the front walkover? You know, while no one's here, you take all those trees down that are hazards you know, when people do come back here, they're going to want to walk around. Right. They're going to want to enjoy the campus. We don't want it to be look like it was never kept up. So in a way, yeah, we were a little bit COVID, you know, um, proof that, you know, they say recession proof. Sometimes the business can be because curve appeal is important. These assets, if they ever did start trading, you know, selling, they couldn't look like they've been vacant. So the need to keep them up and keep the curve appeal high you know, they might have put in, you know, less flowers, they might have dialed back some things, but we didn't see any negative impact, thankfully, knock on wood, uh, from what happened. What what happens going forward, <clears throat> it's hard to say, but if we continue to communicate with our customers and help them build their, their capital budgets and offer value, I think we'll be fine. I really do. I think we'll be able to make our way through and, uh, you know, manage 
process pretty pretty easily. That's great. Um, real quick, so that we can maybe make you guys buy an ad. Where does outdoor product service? What areas? You guys are in New Hampshire, but you do a lot in Mass, right? Actually, exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah. So we're based in Manchester, New Hampshire. So we have a footprint in Manchester. We also have a uh, we have a, a home office in Manchester. We have a branch over in um, Dover. And then we come down into Massachusetts. We have our, our Wilmington office, which services from obviously the New Hampshire border all the way down to uh, Fall River. So we have a pretty good size coverage area. Um, if you can think about, you know, large areas of parking lot, asphalt, you know, large campus type properties, those are our customers. Yeah. You know, the Oracles, the Mita, the, you know, Philips, GE, Amazon. Um, and then the corporate campuses uh, that are, you know, multi-building office parks, you know, six, seven buildings with a common area roadway. That's our ideal customer. Great. All right, Megan, you want to tee up uh, Butsy's Tavern? Or the- so I've, I've been a, I've been a um, customer at Butsy's Tavern before. Yeah. yeah. Years and years ago um, at yeah. the Pats game. So. How did the, how did Butsy's Tavern start? I know you're an avid Pats fan. You lo- you've tailgated for many 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 years. Give, yeah. us, give us the history of Butsy's Tavern. So it, you know, I wasn't it, a paying uh, customer, by the way. He was yeah, very it was, a, um, it was kind of a spoof, honestly. Back in you know, going all the way back to high school, believe it or not, um, you know, when things were a little bit quirky, um, and back when we were kids, you had to have a you know a can of Miller beer on the uh, back of an industrial parking lot, sitting on the tailgate of your truck. Amen. And and that was that was the way you had, you know, a few beers here and there, you know, uh, adult beverages. But my mother at the time was like, why do you guys do that? Why don't you just play cards and have a beer or two here? So she was, you know, kind of outside the outside the box thinker and said, you know, I feel better if the boys are downstairs playing cards or uh, cribbage or whatever and having a beer or two. So we had a, I had a basement. We called it Butsy's Tavern and we we spoofed up a hat and we called it Butsy's Tab. And then I went on to college and we kind of built a bar in the college dorm setting and we carried it over there. And then when tailgating started, we said, well, why don't we call this Butsy's Tavern? So you know, how many people came up to me and said, where is Butsy's Tavern? I'm like, it's right here. Long 11, Foxborough Stadium, you know. So it was just a, I don't know, it's a fun name. I think people get a kick out of the name. Yeah. So down at the stadium, we have uh, – Anybody that came to Butsy's Tavern, we have a physical photo of them. Uh, we took a picture behind the bar. Megan, I could probably find it if I had to, but not right now. Uh, if you were there, you had, you had a beer at Butsy's Tavern, we got a photo of you. And I've got 11, 11 years of physical photos, like four books. That's awesome. Uh, that's before the internet, you know. So yeah. Uh, yeah. We, didn't have a page, we don't have a Facebook page. We don't have a Twitter handle <laughs> or Instagram page. The last few years, we started getting a few Facebook posts here and there, but that's about yeah. it. So it's yeah. a lot of fun. We had customers down there, um, you know, friends and family, but it did really serve a really cool prop purpose for me as a as a business developer to network with people and kind of create a fun environment. A lot of people love to go to stadiums and go to tailgates, but they don't quite know how to do it. We just said, show up, show up with Bob. Oh, what's Bob? Bag of beer. You know, you don't even need a cooler. Just bring a bag of booze. Come with Bob and you're fine. So we did that and we we had a blast. Now at Butsy's now at Butsy's Tavern, do you do you have a set menu for home games? Like you know, week one we'll be doing this or to, yeah. you know, I hated the guys that would show up like with a pack of Bubba burgers and like 
a brick of American cheese. There was no thought yeah. process. There was no <laughs> it. Do you guys go, okay, you know, we're playing the Miami Dolphins. Let's do a clamp. You know, do you, how does that, yeah. how does it spin in when you're looking at, when you're designing your menu, obviously Bob's coming. So everyone just drinks what they have. So you don't have to worry yeah. about that. Talk to me about the menu at Butsy's Tavern. Yeah. So I, you know, we created an email thread that we threw out there. It was our group, which was about 10 strong. And then there was two groups that were next to us between five and 10 on either side. So we had about 35, 40 people. Genius. We were all individually cooking. And we were like, this is crazy. Why don't we get together and figure out who brings what and when so we don't double down on steak tips or ribs or, you know, chicken quesadillas. So okay. we started that and we feel we realized that there was a bunch of people that had a core um, – Let's just say if you're going to have more than three adult beverage, you might want to eat your favorite food so you don't feel terrible. So guys would want to bring a burger or a steak. To make. So I said, okay, let's get the core menu in. Right. And then just like you say, certain games, we'd bring chowder. We'd yeah. bring uh, chili. If it was cold, we'd do this. If it was hot, you know, we'd do some you know, different dips and you know, whatever. So it was pretty much a core menu of you know, steak tips, chicken, um, we did do some lobster tails one time. We had a, one of our one of our neighboring guys was from Newburyport. He brought a bunch of lobsters down, so we we had some fun with that. So there was four or five grills lined up. It was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Where's Butsy's Tavern right now? It's in Time Out. <clears throat> it's in Time Out. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's stuck under my awning in my backyard. We pulled it out for a game this year, and we threw it in the middle of the lawn. And nice. it's a physical bar. It's a it's a bar that I had built. And it has a two car speakers cut into the front, and then it um, it has a portable radio in the back that we used to plug an MP3 player into, so we could have music. So it was uh, it was it's it's we're not going to get rid of it. Uh, my All wife, right. we did have the van for a while. We bought an '87 custom van on Craigslist for 500 bucks, and I I decked that out for a few years. So it's been nice. it's been a good run. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. All right, Billy. This is the this is the moment we've been waiting for. This is rapid fire questions. Hold on, we didn't. We you missed Captain Morgan. Oh, I apologize. Oh. We have a hard stop at uh, ten thirty because someone has to get tickets yeah. on. And yeah, yeah. To yeah. The Talk to me about dressing up as Captain Morgan. How did that come to light? And let me ask you a question: Does it take a couple of cocktails, and all of a sudden you go behind the Butsy Tavern, you know, curtain? Yeah. It's not, you rub the it's, not, it's not something you can put on in the morning and walk out the house. That's for sure. The, the, the mustache and the hair are a little itchy, so you got to get a little bit uh, primed, as Brady used to say, lubed up, lubed up. But when does Captain Morgan come out? Is it like, do, like does someone whisper in your ear and say, Billy, I think it's time? Or do you yeah, well, you know, celebrations in you? I, it's instinctful. I think it just happens at the right time. But, yeah, I mean, we just – we. We were drinking captain down at the stadium, and uh, it's funny. You know, we had captain and Coke, captain and Coke, and then one day we ran out of Coke. We're like, that's terrible. What's going to happen now? It happened to be a Sierra Mist giveaway day at the stadium. Everybody walking out of the stadium got a bottle of Sierra Mist. So now what do we drink? Captain and Sprite. We know, None of my group from Butsy's Tavern drinks captain and Coke anymore. So Captain Morgan was a big staple at the tailgate. Yep. So I saw a costume online. I just, as a joke, I just grabbed it <clears throat> for one of the Halloween games. And we wore it in. Uh, myself, my buddy dressed up. I know it was like a keg or something like that. So, and it just, 
it it carried it carried some uh and it was a lot of fun i got you know it was really hard to watch the game because people were starting to you know get onto the uh, social channels then they're like oh can i take a picture can i take this can i take that so uh, but yeah, the Captain Morgan costume is in the closet. We bring it out. I've made it on the big screen a couple times down at the stadium. So, um, and for for any, the few listeners that are left, um, Billy's also six five. How tall are you? Six seven. Six seven. Excuse yeah. me. I shorted you two inches. So you uh, you may be the tallest Captain Morgan. I mean, out there. Yeah, no question. Yeah, the, the jacket looks like a little bit of it's supposed to be long. I'll go down to like your knees. It's like it's kind of like a short coat for me, you know. So uh, we definitely pushing the envelope on, you know, how I'm looking at the car. But the hair and the hat and the beard and all that stuff fills fills the need. Yeah, that's great. My kids would get lost in that jacket because they're <laughs> high foot and, you know, they would probably use it as a blanket. <laughs> So that's that's awesome, and it, it just you know, I won't even go down the Sierra Miss Sprite thing because I, I think Sprite got his feelings hurt when Sierra Miss started making a scene. I think Sierra yep. Miss friends get pissed off because it gets mistaken as Sprite. Yep. But I will say, Captain Morgan's was the Tito's today. Sure. Captain Morgan's was the nineties. Yeah, exactly. If you didn't drink Captain and Diet, Captain and Ginger, Captain and Sprite, you you, you were drinking beers, it, right? It, Oz in Boston, 2020, all of a sudden Tito's came along and it's Tito's yep. and so here, Tito's, whatever. So, no, I totally agree with that. I love dressing up too as well. Um, me and my friends get into it. You know, I, I don't dress as Santa in the December games at the Pats. If I was to dress up, I'd probably go as the Grinch uh, mm-hmm. or something different. But I, I'm a man that respects uh, people that dress up. Yeah. So, before I said that, you know, I forgot to talk about Captain Morgan's. This is the part because obviously we got two minutes left and you got to get out of here. Rapid fire. Rapid fire. It's either one word answers, whatever comes to the top of your mind, how you answer it. Boom. We're going to go right down it. Are you ready? Got it. Let's go. All right. Time for show. Putt for dough. Uh, putt for dough. Buy or make a Halloween costume. Definitely buy it. <laughs> oh. Captain Morgan. Age limit on wearing an athlete's jersey to a game. I would never wear one. Thank you. French toast or pancakes? Uh, French toast. Traditional style or Texas French toast? Do you go with the thin cut like the Wonder Bread or do you go with the Texas style thick cut? Uh, Wonder Bread. For some reason or other, my kids have this thing that Wonder Bread's not good for you. I don't know. I, I always thought it was fine. I think someone it's got bleached it. flour. Yeah. They Cold. suck every nutrient out of the bread and then they put it. See, I mean, and it time, sticks to the roof of your mouth. First bull- time I've heard of that. Call bullshit. The only thing that Wonder Bread stinks on is when you put fluff on it. It just takes the whole thing right off, and you're just left with crust. But we won't go down that. In fact, check Dave on that. See if we can find out about Wonder Bread. Dave obviously took, you know, um, a Tylenol PM this morning, and he's sleeping. I'm uh, Burger, Burger King or McDonald's? Burger King original sandwich. Chicken. It's very specific. Chicken. Wow, that yeah. is huge. I like it. Okay, I, wow. Um, who's on a mini milk or Daisy Duck? Uh, Daisy. I agree. Uh, Tom and Jerry as friends or enemies? I think they're enemies. Truly or White Claws? Uh, White Claws. Truly is too too much combination. I don't know. You guys notice that? Mm. It tastes like malt, too malt liquor. Yeah, too yeah. much. Favorite holiday? 
like Thanksgiving. Piggybacking off that, are you on the white or the dark meat on that? I'm all white meat. Dark meat's for my father-in-law. Are you are you the guy that grabs the drumstick? I I have to grab it when I'm cutting the turkey, so I feel like it's mine anyway. So currently <laughs> is this year. Possession's nine tenths of the law. Right? Yeah. Ten percent or twenty percent tipper? Uh twenty-five. I have two daughters that are in the um bartending business. I, I think Good they, they need to get paid what they're what they're worth, not what the, the thing says on the bottom of the page. One hundred percent, one hundred percent on that. Um K cups or fresh ground roasted uh at your house? K cups. I don't drink coffee. I I I only drink decaf tea. So I found decaf tea and that goes to the K cup fine. What's your brand on the <laughs> brand on the tea? I wouldn't have had you as a tea guy. Me either. Decaf tea. I would have yeah, had tea. you as like a black hot Folges, or if you weren't a coffee guy, I would have had you as a Mountain Dew guy. Yeah, well, that's what I was doing. I was drinking Mountain Dew coffee and beer, and the doctor's like, "Yeah, you're not gonna last, kid. Your stomach is done. You got to slow down. Drink. Get rid of coffee." So I go, "What do you want me to get rid of?" He goes, "Well, get rid of beer." I go, "Eh." He goes, "Maybe try something a little less." Uh, with a little less caffeine. So that was my that was my step away. Pats minus seven and a half over the Jets. What do you like? Oh, I think the Pats are going to win this week. I think they got to get something going. I, I think they can run all over the roll, run all over the Jets. The Jets are really in bad shape. We're in bad shape, but they're in worse shape. What do they end the season with for a record? Um, I say six wins. Six really? wins. Megan spoke very highly of you. Obviously, our paths crossed when we used to go to like the Iron, the Bowmans. Um, you know, did I get educated on this podcast? Absolutely. I, yeah. I never, I never realized that it was just much more than seeing the guys with the earphones on buzzing around those stand-up lawnmowers. I didn't realize all the stuff that goes into the you know RFP, your idea on the RFI. People think mowing lawns is just residential. You know, the Chads and the Brads of the world. Mm -hmm. Stacy's, you guys are just commercial driven. Mm -hmm. Everything I learned on here was unbelievable. I'm bummed out that we weren't in studio to get some swag. Um, you know, but I, I honestly and truly, man, I you, you asked me before we even got on this thing, like whose idea was this? You know, like you said, you gotta shift a little bit. You can either you can either cry in your you cry mm -hmm. in your mug and be like, oh, I'm not hitting my sales goals because of you know, I can't go out to lunch. I can't go mm -hmm. out to dinner. I can't go into offices. you got to get creative. You're a very creative guy on and off the ice, you know, and this is why we started this podcast, to mm -hmm. give your 45 minutes to, for brand recognition, uh, especially on your company, but yourself as well. Um, you know, I wish nothing but great success for outdoor pride, landscaping, and snow removal, and more importantly, Billy, you and your family um, going into the back nine of 2020. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same to you guys. Listen, I, I would probably just like to say to try and help some of the younger next generation salespeople out there. As Megan said earlier, you know, don't try and sell them something. They've called you to learn and understand what they don't know. So educate first, help, advise, create a value, and then try become <clears throat> a trusted yeah. advisor. And if you do that, you'll sell as much work as you can handle and if much you, longer and I think. Playing your, your stick and you have your elevator pitch or whatever. I mean, sure. There's probably some things that need that, but most of the stuff that we do in this business is all about education, helping people understand what they don't know 
about the business and then they feel confident and comfortable that if we do work together, we fill the need for them. So that's what I would say to young people is just try and learn as much as you can. Get into if you're a salesperson that's not from the green industry, start taking some green industry courses. Learn what your customer needs you to know. Awesome, Billy. Awesome. Hey, Billy. Billy. Great today. Yeah. Maybe not into the woods, but hit them straight. And uh, yeah. Billy, once 2021 comes along, we get out of this nonsense. Let's have you back on, and then you can tell us what you know, you know okay. what you're doing now, and 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 seeing how things have changed and all that shit. So we'll just go from yep. there, Billy. It was great. Great time, Thanks, guys. Billy. Good luck with the podcast. I'll be I'll be listening. Great. Right. Have a good Thanks, one. Billy. Yeah. All right. All right, Dave. Well, thanks for uh, doing that. You know, we didn't really have much fact check with you today. Proof of life on Dave. There he is. He is. Hi, All right. Your microphone's not on. I mean, you're the executive don't, producer. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about me. You guys stick to your job. I'll worry about mine. Uh, up. Uh, well, first of all, what was the word that Maddie said over and over Paralyzed. again? Paralyzed. Uh, okay. You only, you only said it three times, not four times. So that's that we can confirm that. I can't give you statistics on uh, Captain Morgan's sales from the 90s. I can tell you that in 2019, they sold 12, 12 million nine liter cases of Captain Morgan in 2019. So that sounds to me like Captain Morgan is still a thing. So I guess we're fact checking the fact that it's still a thing. All yeah. right. Is that fair? What about, fair? And what about the most popular Halloween candy? I got Skittles on my list uh, here. Yes. According to candystore.com, we got Skittles at number one, Reese's peanut butter cups. You were close at number two. That's the top chocolate then. That's the top. You're right. There you go. Starburst coming in at three. So we're, 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 so top, uh, so we're on this, this middle pretty much 50-50 between uh, chocolate and then just your other kind of sugar candy, which is actually pretty interesting. So Okay. There you go. There you go. In piggybacking off Skittles, what is the what's the do, do they rank? Who, what's the most popular flavor color? Like red, purple, yellow, green? Uh, I gotta green. I gotta assume it's red, but we'd be really getting into the weeds if we were looking into that 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 data there, champ. Sure everyone uh, logged off on it. So right. next week we yeah. got a we, we got a huge guest, and I'm not talking to you know restaurant industry. Yeah. Absolutely punched in the pants, maybe the front seat of the pants. Um, my my close friend Eric Daigle, um, who's general manager of East Bay Grill. Obviously, you're going to meet him for the first time, even though he's cashed in on two favors for our anniversary. We also got married there. And you also got married there, and I think you owe him a thank you live. And hopefully, he'll bring in some scallop bacon pizza for you know Dave on the ones and twos, myself and you. We yeah. don't need bag. We need we need calories. Um, it's going to no, be I, on keto because as everybody that Matt meets uh, knows, he's on ketosis. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely out of keto, especially after this Sunday. Um, my body hates my guts. Me and my scale this morning got into a fight. Um, I don't, I, I must be allergic to something I ate because I swelled up overnight. Uh, but no, we got Eric Daigle on from East Bay Grill next week. That'll be great. Yeah. And there is absolutely no secret that I personally think, and, and Dave and Megan chime in, the, the hospitality, the restaurant industry, I think, has absolutely been brought to its knees. And I, I'm looking forward to that one. It's almost like, you, you know, that's not going to be a romantic comedy episode. That's that's going to, you know, that's going to have some, you know, some some sadness to it. But we're going to find, the you know, we're going to find yeah. some 
light and all that stuff. But I'm really looking forward to that. I don't know about you, Megan, but um, we'd love to get No, I can't wait to talk to them, learn and hear about how they may have shifted or tried to get creative on whether it was delivery or takeout. But when we went there for dinner, we sat outside in the bar. Usually, you know, you know, you go there, Matt, and the bars, you know, two, three deep. And it was just crickets. And it was so sad to see that. So I really hope that they're going to, you know, make it through all this. And I really just have my own um, personal agenda for that podcast is to get the recipe for their muscles appetizer. And if he doesn't give it to me, so help me God, I'm locking him in a closet because they are the best muscles around. They're so good. So, yeah, no, I, I, and there, there is one item that I had to force that they put it on there. It's a scallop bacon pizza. It's, it's absolutely, if you are a seafood lover, pizza lover, and also bacon, um, it's the bomb. So look at, we got episode, we got episode two in the books. Yeah. I'm hoping that we're back. Oh, hey, I'm hoping that we're back in the. Uh, I'm hoping that we're back in the studio next week. We've really gone wireless on it. I'm hoping that we get some video in there. We can crop ourselves down so we you, we look like um, calendar models. But Megan, once again, I uh, can't thank you enough for you know great. diving in. Hopefully, we get more than the six listeners. Um, I know the phones have been blown off the hook with the um, with advertising, so. You know, line up. We'll get you in, and I uh, can't thank you enough, kid. <clears throat> yeah, this is great. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you next week.